0: Hi, I'm Bill Carmody and I'm the Marketing Whisperer. And today I'm excited to have Brent Bellum, who is the Chairman and CEO of Big Commerce. Hey Brent, how are you doing today? Fantastic, thanks. So Brent, I got to say, this is incredible because you have, you started out with a Stanford undergraduate, you went to, became a Harvard MBA, you went off to PayPal, uh, was their CEO in Europe, did all kinds of strategy and global product development, then you did a five-year stint at HomeAway, which is an incredible story unto itself, and now you're here at Big Commerce. I mean, that's a hell of a journey. (laughs) Well, thanks for saying so. I appreciate it. Um, I think the thing that I want to talk to you today is, is that I think you have had the opportunity to go through and, you know, from the very beginning at PayPal, you know, you have understanding of commerce, how commerce works. You know, you've been able to at sort of um, HomeAway, you looked at exactly how people are transacting online, and that brought you into Big Commerce. So talk to me a little bit about what drew you to Big Commerce. Why did you end up coming over to this company?
1: I honestly, it started at the beginning of my career in the early. 90s where I was a management consultant right out of college and my third client ever was one of the biggest retailers in the country yeah they had discount stores specialty stores and a whole bunch of different categories super centers and I realized very quickly that retails what I love both from a business perspective and from a consumer perspective so most of my time in the 90s was spent first in retail consulting and then when the internet came along e-commerce consulting and when I finally uh, left consulting in the height of the bubble mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. place I bet my career on was a company called Escalate, which was one of the first attempts ever at a SaaS based e-commerce platform okay. before they even called it SaaS. It was right. an ASP model back then and it was you know before its time because in the it was 99, 2000 at that point in time the whole ecosystem around services did not exist. There weren't third party uh, ERPs and inventory management, order management and marketing management, and all this kind of stuff. They, all these services didn't exist in easily consumable ways for an enterprise platform. So we were trying to build everything ourselves. It was too early to pull that kind of ambition off. Mm-hmm. And you know, then lo and behold, uh, after almost 10 years at eBay and PayPal and five years at HomeAway, I get a call about an opportunity at a company that had finally made the model work and made it work so well that now small, medium businesses, for the most part, don't even buy package software right. anymore. There are still hundreds of shopping carts out there that you can buy, but for the most part, nobody is. They're, they're now all buying SaaS and big commerce really was one of the two companies that led that transformation and I, you know, I always see the sky is the limit from here.
0: Well, so, and I see you You have a very unique perspective on how this industry is evolving, uh, specifically as sort of you look at new uh, emerging brands and retailers. So what do you see happening sort of from where you sit?
1: Well, uh, one of the most important things is that uh, brands Real consumer brands and business-to-business brands have finally gotten over the notion that they can't go direct to consumer mm-hmm. due to channel conflict. Sure. In in the early days, only the boldest. I remember in the late '90s, pointing to the few exceptions like Nike that were uh, bold enough to actually try to go straight to consumer. And now it's probably 70-80 percent, and the remaining 20 to 30 are all thinking hard about how to do it. You know, for example. One of our customers is Chapstick. Who hmm. would have ever thought ten years ago
0: that Chapstick might be selling directly to consumers? And why are they? What, what, what sort of what sort of drew them to that sort of distribution model?
1: Well, almost every brand, until they go direct to consumer, is going to struggle with the lack of a relationship with their best customers. Okay. Right. Um, the folks that would go to chapstick.com are not going to be the casual chapstick purchasers from the convenience store. It's going to be the enthusiasts, the ones who really love the brand, love the special flavors they come out with. Maybe you're looking for special packaging or whatever. Right. And those are the best customers for the brand. And the brand can try out new concepts with them. It can test things before they take them to retail. It can do all sorts of things that it couldn't otherwise do. I mean, you also get this, this opportunity to, uh, for some companies, basically expand your, your SKU set. You can't get any one retailer to stock every one of your items in every size. But for some brands, not necessarily ChapStick that has a limited selection, you may put the whole thing on your website. So if a consumer gets to the store, doesn't find the right size, color, variation or the obscure parts, they can go to your website and find them there. There there are a lot of different reasons why a brand would want to have that presence that they own and can do it in a way that ultimately doesn't undermine their core channels because fundamentally what the brand is trying to do is not displace those channels they can't afford to. Right. They're trying to improve their brand. They're trying to improve their relationship with their customers, and they're trying to improve the product that they have available for the channel to sell. So so I'd say that that's one of the big trends.
0: Okay. Well, and, and, I, and I, the, one of the things that I, I was at um, uh, Shop Talk this, this year, this inaugural event, Shop Talk. And one of the things that I was really interested in is this concept of native commerce. And that sort of came up for the first time that I'd heard it. It doesn't mean that it'd been, it had been around for a while, but that was the first time I really heard it, a lot of companies talking. And the thing with native commerce is, is that you essentially are building shopping cart functionality around communities. And to me, this is a very interesting way, because it used to be you know, you go on Amazon, you buy your thing, move on and it really wasn't really a community aspect, it was more how do I make sure that I just get the exact products that I want. But now there's sort of this different evolution where you have people who want to talk about specific things and then those things sort of draw you in to naturally make purchase decisions. So are you seeing that as part of the sort of the future here in in sort of your world?
1: Yeah, and one of the places it started is uh, Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And arguably, it's happening on Facebook as well, where you get folks that are drawn to sites that are not commerce sites, right. fundamentally—they're they're social sites—and yes. yet the uh, you know Pinterest and Facebook, the, the the corporations have realized that a fair amount of what folks are doing there are actually discovering things to purchase, and they've decided, well, let's actually make it easy for retailers and brands to showcase their items on our networks and maximize conversion by not forcing people to leave our sites if they don't want to leave our sites. Right. Therefore, you know, both of them in the last year have embarked on their commerce initiatives with buy buttons on their sites, and we're one of, uh, I think, only two platforms to natively support both of them, so if you're a big commerce merchant you can very easily take any or all the items in your branded store and post them on Pinterest or on Facebook shop with a buy button that enables a consumer to purchase there on Facebook or on Pinterest and I think that's that's awfully powerful in some ways eBay has always been the same thing it's not a it's actually a commerce site Mm -hmm. but there are so many categories on eBay where the folks that are on there each and every day are just absolute passionate fanatics for well, that category well and and they this... may not be, they may not be interacting all the time, but they're but they're shopping all the time and that's one of the reasons why we're, we're also adding an integration into eBay so that you know merchants don't have to make the choice between. Uh, setting up one channel for their branded store and another for eBay and risking that inventory's not synced and orders aren't synced and all this kind of stuff. That's too much effort for most retailers. We can keep it all connected together through our integrations.
0: Well, and, and I think to that end, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing is a macro trend, both in physical as well as uh, uh, digital, is that you know, people want the stores to be brought to them. Right? The whole idea of, sort of you know, the delivery services, it started off with Domino's Pizza, but now you can use TaskRabbit to go pick up your dry cleaning or anything you want. right? And so the idea is bring the store to me, don't make me go to the store. And I think that's one of the, the macro trends you're talking about by going on to Pinterest and going to Facebook, I'm touching my communities, and in touching my communities, they're saying, hey, have you thought of, have you bought this thing? It's going to help you with whatever it is we're talking about. Is it running or weight loss or whatever it is? And then people can just basically transact in the conversation as opposed to actually stop what I'm doing and now go and make a purchase, right? I
1: want to give you, I want to give you a great example of that. We, uh, we integrated our platform into Square last year, which is the most popular point of sale on your iPad solution in in the country. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of days of being in beta, there was a there's a square merchant in St. Louis, which if memory serves is called Vino Gallery. It's a a wine retailer. Okay. Well, with a push of a button, they take their entire store wine inventory, upload it into Big Commerce, publish it on a Big Commerce store, so that now any customer of theirs in the St. Louis metro area Can go onto their website, see all the wine that's in stock, pick the stuff they want, and either order it and have it waiting for pickup, already paid for when they get to the store, or they even had one hour delivery. That's great. In
0: the St. Louis metro area. I mean, it wasn't grand. This took like, this was within days of the beta launching. Right. And so this this used to take months, if not years, to pull all the stuff together because you had your inventory management controls, you had all of your platform diagnostics, you had to figure out the integration strategies, you got to figure out how to plug all those things in. I mean, what you're talking about is is not just our future, it's our present. The ability to sort of say, look, if I know what I want to sell, plug and play, you know, just click the button and you're done. And I think that's really amazing because it's helping small, medium sized companies really get uh, smart about e-commerce without having to be technologists. Yeah, my one one of my big theses
1: when I came into the company
0: a year ago was
1: that you know, 20 years into the internet, the the trick that was still missed early on was enabling a retailer to sell in all of the most important places on the web and offline simultaneously. In particular, there was this point in in internet evolution back around 2002, where both eBay and Amazon took the wrong fork in the road. Mm -hmm. And eBay and Amazon are important, I mean that, together they're over 40% of US e-commerce, those two sites alone. And they both took the wrong fork in the road, they both decided to embark on a dozen years of investing in a home-built stores platform, eBay (laughs) stores, Amazon web stores, rather than investing in their platforms, and the ease with which merchants and merchant e-commerce suites could integrate into it. And so they're basically saying to everybody, it's fine if you want to sell on a branded web store and on eBay, but it's going to be an eBay store if you want that to be easy. Well, that was a mistake, both because eBay and Amazon weren't ultimately going to be able to win the best e-commerce store battle, because that's not their core business. Mm -hmm. And because it created internal channel conflict that prevented them from doing what they should have done and are now doing, which is investing in their APIs and their platforms. So I came in a year and a half ago and I said, you know, I'm stunned, but we can still be the first ones to get this right. We can still be the first e-commerce platform to create a native and world-class integration into both Amazon and eBay. And, and you know, the wisdom at the company and others like ours before was, oh, we're going to give you a full-featured store so you can compete against Amazon and eBay. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, no, we're going to do the opposite we're gonna be the only platform that actually lets you win on Amazon and eBay and on your branded store and when you do that you've covered 90% 90% of Internet consumers,
0: right? Well, and, and you've gone one step further. Not only have you done all those three things, which is the battleground today, you've set up the battleground for tomorrow. And you said, you know what? Nobody's even going to want to do any of these storefronts if they want if they have the simplicity of sending a text message and buying from a text, buying from social campaigns, buying from sort of the conversations they're having casually with their friends. That's the next battleground, right? I mean, we're seeing the the early stages of that with Pinterest and, and Facebook. But, you know, based on the, the Shop Talk, you know, conference that I went to, this last year, I mean, that's where everybody is thinking like, hey, this is our future. This is when basically you can seamlessly transact. We're having a conversation on Skype. I can basically say, you know what? I want to show you something. There's this really cool tool that I use that helps me light my face better, you know, (laughs) during a Skype call. Here it is. Boom. You're like, that's great. It's 30 bucks. No problem. I'll buy it, you know? And that becomes a very simple, seamless way of transacting as opposed to, well, let me give you the link that you can go clicked on to Amazon and then browse for it later and decide to buy with one click down the road. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's sort of that taking that friction away, you know? Right.
1: And, and it'll be interesting to see where Google goes because yes. right now Google is the avenue by which so many consumers find the web stores and the products that they otherwise didn't know about. Right. And, you know, all right, fine, Bing and, and Yahoo, to any of the search engines. But right now it's all click-off model, yep. right? You, you find it and it redirects you to that site. You, We may well see Google decide to copy what Facebook and Pinterest did and at least add the option to purchase right there on Google. And, and all I know is that if they do that, we'll be the first company to enable that
0: too. That's awesome. Well, no, and, that, and that's great too because you see them playing with this model. You see them doing with flights and hotels. Like that's the first place where they've, they've experimented where basically you can actually purchase your flight directly through the, their platform almost. And I say almost because they get you right to the end and they're like, okay, and here's how you check out, right? And the checkout then goes back through the process, but they are playing around with that model and you can see that their engineers are thinking that way, but they, they haven't gone on in by any stretch. Yeah, that's right. So so let me ask you this, let me switch, switch gears for a second. So you've, you've answered a lot of really great questions for me. As you guys sort of see your future, you know, what's, what, is gonna ta- what is it gonna take for you guys to become the next billion dollar company? Like wh- from where you are today, I know you're privately held, you've gotten lots of great rounds of funding from you know, the who's who of, the, of you know, Silicon Valley as well. I mean, Steve Case for Christ's sakes you know, is coming in there saying, hey, you guys got what, what it takes, it's awesome. So my question for you is what's, what's the thing that's gonna sort of take you to that next level?
1: Yeah, it's very straightforward for us. We began the way disruptive companies begin, which is targeting the low end of the market. We were, you know, a complete SaaS e commerce platform for small merchants. And over time, as our merchants grew and ever larger merchants signed up to us, we added more and more functionality and more and more openness to the point where when I came in, uh, a little over a year ago, we had over 50,000 successful, growing merchants on our platform, and you know today, more than a thousand of them aren't even SMBs. They're mm-hmm. they're mid-market. They're merchants doing one to 50 million, a million to 50 million in online sales. Yeah. But what is our most immediate, and obvious opportunity is that in the world of mid-market online retailers. There's still 80% of them are using on premise software. Right. They're using custom in house builds, they're using Magento, they're using legacy package software. And that was the only way historically that they could get the kind of functionality and integrations that they needed for their larger, more complex businesses. But the problem with those models is it then turns them into IT companies. They've got to manage their right. software. They have to hand have I T staff, manage bugs, upgrades, DDoS attacks, PCI compliance, I mean all these things that a retailer and or B2B seller has no interest in. So long story short, we want to do in the mid-market exactly the same kind of transformation that we led for SMBs. So the mid-market is bigger than the SMB market in, in total sales mm-hmm. and we want to be the SaaS platform, the winning SaaS platform in the mid-market. Um, you know, basically the alternative, uh, the future that replaces in-house builds and Magento and other things like that. That alone takes us a very, very long way as a company, That's great. but we pull that off and then there are three things even beyond that. You know, if you can serve a $50 million retailer, it's not that big of a stretch to serve a hundred or 200 million, right. you know, and enter a different territory of competition where IBM, Oracle, SAP, demand, where all set. Uh, that's not necessarily this year, mm-hmm. but it's probably no more than two years away. And then there's then there's international. We were actually founded in Sydney, Australia, but are now headquartered in the US, we're a US company. 22% of our merchants are outside the US. If we fully internationalize our code base and expand into Europe, in Asia Pacific the same way that I did at PayPal, the same way I did at HomeAway, mm-hmm. well then half of our merchants could be outside the US. And then the final avenue for growth, which is you know, one we're already pursuing today, is, is business to business. B2B online, even though it gets none of the press, is as big as B2C. Mm-hmm. It gets no press because it's not sexy, it's businesses selling to businesses. But there's no market leading B2B e-commerce platform. I mean, for the most part, these sellers are just taking a B2C platform like ours, repurposing it and making the best of it. You know, imagine that we added that extra 10, 20% of functionality to support things like invoices and purchase orders and, you know, customer logins and control groups and pricing schedules and all that kind of stuff. We we could become the world's leading B2B e-commerce platform, too, and already about 30% of our merchants claim to be either partially or predominantly B2B sellers. Right? Exactly. They're already using us in droves, even though we didn't explicitly think of them when we built out our platform. So those three things, you know, quite honestly make our addressable market a few years from now about eight times bigger than what we define today as, as mid-market and SMB predominantly in the U.S., and I don't say that in any way minimize our great customers absolutely. in Australia and the U.K. and Canada and all around the world, but, you know, 78% of our merchants are in the U.S. today, mm-hmm. and we, we want that to come down to 50%.
0: Right. By growing all the international side, absolutely. By growing
1: international while we're still growing the U.S.,
0: so, so having worked at PayPal, you've had exposure to the power of having something given away for free and sort of being that sticky. So here's a very crazy idea, and I'm sure you've at least thought of it, is what if you gave away all the shopping cart functionality totally for free and just charged a small premium for when the actual transactions occurred, which would not be very dissimilar to what PayPal did? Is there a reason why you guys have chosen to go down the monthly fee route as opposed to saying, look, get complete documents combination of the industry by giving away the software for free as that SaaS model and then just pay for performance when people are transacting, that's when you take your cut. Um,
1: uh, yeah, we thought hard about it. And, you know, quite frankly, we did change our pricing model after I came in. Yeah. Before it had no resemblance or bearing to merchant size or volume. We had $10 million merchants on $30 a month plan. <laughs> and I can assure you we were losing thousands of dollars. I assure you did. Because <laughs> just their hosting and all of that. So we, we now have a sort of a, a hybrid model. Okay. Where um, you don't get you don't get to create and have a store hosted for free. Because we, we have an awful lot of our stores that don't even transact. They're they're sort of brochureware. They right. put up the catalog. They show people, um, but their intention isn't to transact on their site. And mm-hmm. and that shouldn't be a free service. Right. But it's only thirty bucks a month. Right. Right. And you can do up to fifty thousand in sales a year on that thirty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And then as your sales go up, we'll, you know, if you go above a threshold, we'll bump you up to a higher plan. You get more features that way. Uh, so it's kind of a hybrid model. In direct answer to your question, why not be pure commission? It's because fundamentally merchants don't like that as much. Mm-hmm. They don't like that as much. They, um, they view it as a tax. And I think like at the high end of the market, you know, I could, if I could be so sure. presumptive, the, the one player who does charge a percentage, pure percentage, is demand wear. Mm -hmm. And they've been successful doing that whereas all their competitors charge licensing fees. Mm -hmm. Um, They lose business as well because of that pricing model. Some people like it, a lot of people dislike it and would rather not have the pure tax. Uh, So it wouldn't surprise me if they are thinking
0: about whether there are alternatives or variants to that. That, that don't get viewed as a pure tax well I see I see what you're doing I mean what you've, you've had some incredible growth already I mean just in the in the short time you've even been at the company you guys have just done some amazing incredible things I think the whole idea of connecting back to social commerce native commerce you know sort of putting yourself in these other areas where you don't force people necessarily to come to a website although that's an option you have the option to transact into these other areas I think you're just giving yourself all kinds of opportunities for for exponential growth so really what it does come down to is how do you those friction points, and it seems like you guys are finding that balance between well, you know, we can't just host these massive, you know, ten million dollar, you know, uh, sites for free because then that or, or for a low fee because we're going to lose our, our our ass. But on the other side, you know, it's it's how do I just make sure that anyone who wants to do sort of a uh, a model whereby they don't have to pay all the large e-commerce licensing fees and instead are focused on sort of this hey, what's the minimum viable to get us up there, and then not even necessarily have a website be able to sort of push this out in these different areas. You're experimenting with all the right areas, so that's that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, and the most important point about like our model and why it's so compelling is, I mean, with our model you get almost everything you need. You get uh, you get the store design, you get the inventory and catalog management capabilities. You get the hosting, um, and by virtue of our hosting, it in a SaaS model, we are always maintaining security. We're maintaining uptime, we're maintaining response time, we fix all the bugs, we fight all the DDoS attacks, we ensure PCI compliance. Um, So you as a business, you don't have to buy and license software, Mm -hmm. you don't have to hire engineers to code and customize and and all of that. You don't have to figure out hosting, you don't have to manage all that security. Um, Your life is so much easier and typically the the total cost to you is about 80% less
0: Mm -hmm. Wow
1: than the old model. To some degree, you know, whether we are charging a monthly subscription or we're charging a percentage or any other thing, the, the more important point is that this is just a lot cheaper yeah. to be. And, and you can be profitable from day one. I'll tell you one of the most interesting trends. If you We serve at probably like 13 or so Fortune 1000 companies right now and have at least another half dozen that are in our sales pipeline. And for these Fortune 1000s, they have so many brands, so many divisions, so many initiatives that can and should be e-commerce enabled, whether B2C or B2B. And in the old model where getting one of them live to sell involved a multi-million dollar IBM Oracle or SAP contract, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, nine to 18 months. Preparation—it's uh, just a nightmare, and it and it's and it stifled them. They've got all these. It may, it may make sense for your largest division, or one of your two or three largest divisions. But what about the rest of the corporation right. that has all of these brands and business lines that want to go and sell online? Well, they're now starting to realize, okay, uh, well, here's a model with big commerce where we can get up and selling in three months. The cost to them to get that going is trivial right. in the grand scheme of things. Our cost is so low that they're profitable the second they start doing it, and if they're happy with how it integrates into their other legacy systems, they're like, this is scalable. We can take this because, you know, ultimately we're not to a large corporation, they're going to plug into their ERP, they're going to plug into their CRM. and." Great, they can use that same ERP and same C R M and, and other stuff with any other division that wants to then get going online with big commerce. And so we're we're finding really good success That's with awesome. Fortune one thousand companies that uh, you know have entrepreneurs within their ranks that Want to start doing business differently?
0: Well, and 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 to, the, the, to just to circle all the way back to the very beginning, one of the main things that reasons why people need to be doing e-commerce, even if their main focus is retail, is research. Just understanding sort of what consumers want, they understand sort of how people are interacting with their products and services. Under you know, and and that data is something that's keenly valuable. So just even just if all you wanted to do was a Skunkworks project, where you wanted to understand how customers buy from you in your own environment. So you didn't have to rely on sort of doing it inside of the actual physical retail store where things are much more expensive. It gives you that platform to really experiment and play and understand sort of what is the real value that we're driving. So that, that by itself has tremendous value. Well, listen, Brent, I I really appreciate you taking the time today. This has been hugely valuable for me, and I'm sure the audience listening here is going to really appreciate it. Um, I I really look forward to sort of seeing the next transition of all the things you're working on. Uh, Every time you guys put something out in terms of a new API or a new app, it has all kinds of great ripple effects in the industry. So thank you for sharing all this stuff with us, and thank you for your time today. I enjoyed the conversation very much. Cheers. Thank you.